live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods, moving and storage studio, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. I am your host this hour, Rachel Cruz, alongside me, best-selling author and Ramsey personality, Ken Coleman. And we're taking your calls, America. It's a free call anywhere in the country at 888 5225 talking about relationships, career, your work, your money, anything and everything. So give us a call. So first we have Hannah in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Hannah, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Doing great. How can we help? I have a question about my student loans. Um, My loans are privately owned, so I've been paying them for the last three years, but I can't make the minimum payment right now. And my question is, should I just let it continue to accrue as I work through my debt snowball, or would that be a really bad idea? Um, I mean, it leans on more of the really bad idea side of the equation, because the debt snowball is paying minimum payments on everything so you don't get behind, and then attacking the smallest mm-hmm. debt. So um, so how much how much is your payment every month? Um. So it is about five hundred and fifty-two dollars. I'm behind seven hundred and eighty-five. Okay. Um, and what other debt do you have? So total, it's about seventy-five thousand. Okay. And then counting everything, I have about ninety-five thousand dollars of debt. Counting everything, what's the other twenty? Um, fifteen of it is credit cards, and then the remainder is some smaller debts, like to family and stuff family loans okay so the 75 is your student loan yes okay uh and how much do you make a year hannah right around forty thousand. Okay. um i do have a job interview in the next couple weeks to hopefully increase that okay and i'm not counting my second job which generally makes about 800 a month right now 800 a month okay well that's great so how short are you is it just you're making your payments on everything else your four walls, yeah. but just this actual student loan payment of five fifty two a month. How much are you short on that? Um, so without touching the income from my second job, I'd be short about a hundred and fifty dollars. Why would you not touch the income from your second job? Uh, well, right now I need to rebuild my emergency fund, um, about six hundred dollars, and I would like to just be able to use that towards other debts but okay and, and your emergency fund for the thousand dollars is that right yes okay yes. so you won't so you mm-hmm. have four hundred dollars in savings you're trying to build that up to a thousand mm-hmm. yes. okay and then we're going to start yep attacking that okay so one of the one of the most important things so hannah i would say is to get current on your bills so mm-hmm. with this 800 so i would what i would want you to do is even pause the baby steps. Like I like it. The more you continue to go back, uh, the harder it is to go. It's going to be to go forward, just on a mathematical standpoint. So, um, if I were you, and and is your side hustle? Are you doing it every night? It's about three to four nights a week right now. Okay, it's a retail job. Can okay. you do more? Hmm? Can you do more? Work more. Yes, yes. I'm waiting for them to approve that schedule. Okay, that's great. So, Hannah, I really think in in, in a month, uh, in about four weeks, if you up your working and you work seven nights, I mean, you work every day because 
it's a level of uh, of urgency because you are in an urgent situation. I mean, you're not you're you're getting behinds, which again is is we don't want you there. We want you current. Yeah. And you have four hundred dollars in savings. So like all of that can be fixed in about four weeks of making some extra money. Uh, to be able to build up, yeah, that emergency fund and get current. So that would be my goal for the net for you to say, hey, in the next three weeks, I gotta, I gotta get this all taken care of. So that's seven hundred and eighty dollars, or um, seven, it's seven hundred and eighty-five mm-hmm. that you're behind, plus what's mm-hmm. remaining of the emergency fund of the six hundred. Like we want to get twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars in here pretty quickly yeah. this month. And then my question okay. is, I want to walk you through this coming on the heels of what Rachel just gave you of because that's the that's great advice what is the smallest debt and when we look at the snowball you listed them out for us what is the smallest debt what's the payment on that per month um the smallest debt that isn't owed to family is 735 that's a that's the total yes of that credit card statement correct all right and so then what's the next one then it would be 15000 in the credit card loan. All right. So the minimum payment on that $700, that's not enough for me to roll this in here. But what I'm getting at is, is, is following up with what Rachel said, then you're attacking that that credit card because that payment there we want all this going into that student loan payment i'm trying to make up the difference between work and then the initial snowball debt that you can knock out to where you're not falling behind at all you're current on the student loan Mm -hmm. until that's the last one on the list Mm -hmm. and that's going to take you more time but we want to quickly get urgent to get to, to get caught up to get the emergency fund baby step one to a thousand dollars and then I'm current. I'm making the minimum payment every month on that student loan while we attack the rest. That's what your urgency is about. Do you understand? Yes. Okay, good. And Hannah, for your family, for the family loans, how much per month are you paying them? Um, right now, zero. Okay. Okay. No, that's fine. Four hundred dollars and three thousand dollars. So. Okay. I'd okay. Like to pay the four hundred. But you're not you're not but. paying anything currently on those. No, and okay. they're they're okay with that. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask to ask them if you can pause any payments to them. I, I agree, Rachel. I was going to ask you. I think that's okay to I do at done this it, point. But you're doing that now, so yeah. that's good. So you're already pausing. <laughs> so you're really getting after this first initial credit card, which is not much at all, with you pulling more hours and getting a better job. You can knock that out fast. And before you know it, you can knock that fifteen thousand dollar card out. That's a game changer. Yeah. What's the minimum payment mm-hmm. on that fifteen thousand dollar card? Um. In July, it'll be two hundred and ninety-five dollars. I mean, that's a raise. Mm-hmm. When you knock that out, now you really get this. And for the new job, Hannah, you said you're just interviewing. Um, do you know how much will the will the new position, if you get it, how much will that pay instead of forty thousand making in your salary job? What would what will it be? It'd be at least fifty-five. That's great. Good. Okay, Good. so Hannah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. upside. I know you feel like it's overwhelming, and when you're behind, there's a level of of fear and like, oh my gosh, can this, can I, can this even happen? But I think you work, what you can control right now is how much you're working. And to Ken's point, I would go to your mm-hmm. part-time job and I would say, I will work. Mm-hmm. I'll close every night. Like whatever I need to do, go crazy for 
at first, like just give yourself a time period, you know, three, four weeks and say, okay, here's what I can bring in. Just again, get on ground level of being current of everything, being able to pay minimum payments, have your emergency fund, and then you start chipping away at this debt, Hannah. Hopefully you get the new job, get the raise of 55,000 and keep this intensity going until it's all knocked out. So I'm excited for you, Hannah. Stay on the line and we're going to give you Total Money Makeover because that's going to give you a step-by-step guide as well and motivation uh, as you're doing this plan. So good luck to you. Thanks for calling. I've recommended Simply Safe Home Security for years, and over that time, they've just gotten better and better while remaining in amazing value. Their monitoring costs less than a dollar a day. Plus, unlike traditional home security providers, Simply Safe has no contract and no hidden fees. So don't wait to protect your home. Visit simplysafedirect.com right now and get a special 20% off. Simplysafedirect.com. There is no safe like Simply Safe. All right, you guys, I have I have three little ones at home. You have three big old, ones. older ones. Or bigger ones, shall we say. <laughs> at home. And, you know, life, it can just be really hard. It can be hard to connect with your spouse, prioritize that when there's kids and there's life and there's work and there's so much going on. But it is so worth it to prioritize your marriage. So that's why this fall I'm inviting you to disconnect from the stress of day-to-day life and reconnect with your spouse at the Money and Marriage Getaway right here at our brand new Ramsey Event Center in Nashville. So for three days, October 19th through the 21st, Dr. John Deloney and I will guide you through the entire weekend, again, away from normal day-to-day life and with your spouse to focus on your marriage, set goals and dream about your future. So you're gonna learn how to communicate better build intimacy, set boundaries, and make a plan for your money together. And we've seen it happen time and time again. When you dream together, when you make goals together, create what you want your future to look like, you start acting like a team. And when you become a team, you become unstoppable. So for this getaway, again, it's you guys, you guys that are killing it on baby steps one through three, keep the intensity up, be focused on your goals. But if you're on baby steps four and beyond, this is something that could be really great for you. So tickets cost $799. So again, talk to your spouse. But if you're out of debt, you have room in your budget, please join us for this incredible weekend to talk about money and marriage. So go to RamseySolutions.com slash events to get your tickets today. And there's no truth to the rumor that I'll be watching the kids uh, in a separate room with a day camp. There, there's a lot of talk about that, and I decided to kill that idea. Oh, were you going to be babysitter Ken? <laughs> well, there was some talk what, about it. On a day camp, you, you know, you know, Mr. Ken. They'll come out being Yay. like, I know what I want to do with my life and my career, <laughs> Mom and Dad. Yeah, exactly. Ken Coleman. No, that's a little too babysitter early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we decided against that idea. So for anybody wondering, that's not a part of the event. So. Hey, maybe next year. Yeah, I'm you good never with know. puppets. You I'm never know. Pretty good with puppets. <laughs> I don't. All right. Up next, we have Grace in San Diego. Hi, Grace. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Um, my question is, how can I get my spouse more enthusiastic about uh, additional generosity? Just to give you a little bit of background information, uh, my husband and I are on Baby Step Seven. I was raised in a uh, Ramsey household. My parents are everyday millionaires, uh, but my husband was not raised in a family that really exhibited a lot of um, like above and beyond generosity. 
And so we have those budget line items um, in our every dollar budget that outline our generosity to our church of choice and then additional generosity. But I generally find that like I'm the one that is more um, feeling led to do additional kits or give money to people that I see or meet or things like that. So um, just looking for any advice that you guys might have on kind of assisting my my sweet husband with um, building those muscles. Uh, Grace, are you, is he um, hesitant when you come forward and say, hey, there's this thing going on, I would love to give no. X oh amount? No, oh my gosh, no, never. A, he is okay. always on board. Um, yeah. Is he, he the sa- is he the saver really. of you guys? Is he the saver more than nerd? Um, I would say we're actually pretty both, pretty much both nerds. Um, he does work a lot, and so it's it's like I'm generally the one that handles most of the um, outgoing money in terms of like our budget items and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if it's maybe he just like doesn't have the opportunities or, or not doesn't have them doesn't them yep. um, as much as I do or that it's just maybe he just hasn't developed those um, feelings yeah. or those muscles yet. Of- I mean, I would tell you, Grace, Ken, correct me if, if you think that this is off base, but I think I would be more concerned if you brought, if you, you know, you're the initiator of this and if yeah. you initiated something and he was like, no, that's so stupid. I don't want, no, 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 no. Um, you know, if, if that was his heart, then I'd be like, okay, let's talk about that. I wonder what is in him that's doing that. But it's ju- it's just the fact that he doesn't initiate. And Grace, I hope Winston doesn't kill me for saying this. I'm more of the initiator with the giving. I'll get a text from someone at church and they're like, hey, there's a foster family, you know, X, Y, and Z, or a tornado came through mm-hmm. and a team member needs that. And and I, again, I don't know if it's because I get it more, but I'm like, oh yeah. And I text Winston, I'm like, hey, there's this thing. And he's like, absolutely do it. Uh, but I feel like I'm more of the one that initiates those random acts of giving yeah. in our relationship. But I don't fought Winston for that just because I, I think to your point, I think it gets presented to me maybe f- more frequently. And Winston sure. is, he's just more of a saver, naturally bent more. And he would tell you more scarcity mindset. Yeah. Like it's just, it's a natural bent, but it's not that he doesn't give or doesn't want to. It's just not on the forefront always like where I feel like. You could, yeah. you could present like a puppy with a broken leg and we're like, let's just adopt the whole family. Like, we'll, we'll right. fix it all. <laughs> like, right. I get more yeah. I get more emotion from it or something. I, you I know, know. I, this isn't a popular opinion in, in 2023, but I also think it's the difference between men and women. Uh, you know, yeah. there's a controversial hot take that women <laughs> are different than men. and and But I do think in this situation, I agree with Rachel you kept calling him sweet, precious husband. Uh, every time you bring it up, he's like, oh, yeah, let's give. So I, I think the question now comes back to you. What is making you call us today and ask us for advice on how your husband can have more of a giving muscle when what we're hearing is he's rarely anti-giving. He just doesn't pop up the idea as much as you do. So is that does that bother you in some way? Well, what's going on? What's behind this question? I guess it does bother me a tiny bit because like I said, I come from a family that's like very, very giving um, to a really like anyone and everyone. And um, I just see that as like a big part of my day-to-day life, but, and, and we haven't been married that long, a couple of years. So I guess maybe it's just like not fully integrated into, you know, his yeah. recurring thoughts yet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I was just kind of seeing, you know, if there were any things that you guys did um, with your family or if you had any similar experiences, but... My experience is much like what Rachel said, except it's flipped. Uh, uh, Stacy is, you know, she's the one that, I mean, it's not flipped, exact same. She's the one that's always coming to me. Do you feel like that's the case with you guys? A hundred percent. She comes to you more. Uh, Yeah. And I'm like, great. But I will tell you that I'm the one who tends to be more, and it's not a scarcity thing, but I tend to be like, okay, where are we at? What else have we given to this month? And we can't give to everything and everybody. Right, right. I mean, because Stacy's amazing. She would give it all away yeah totally uh and not that she's irresponsible but that's what her heart is versus i'm a little bit like okay like for instance okay this is a window in and this may help or may not help grace but i'm going to be transparent yeah. and and rachel's get she's really good at like putting me on the spot on the show my natural bent is to say who are we giving to what are we giving and can they handle it so i'm real sensitive to are we blessing someone mm-hmm like they really, really need it. Not enabling, not being the, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it depends on the gift. If we're yeah. talking like, like getting George, like my wife, I, she brought, I had to walk into work last week with a pretty pink bag <laughs> for George Camel's wife, Whitney, because we're friends with them. And yes. Stacy found a little something, something in downtown Franklin. And honestly, I didn't even look inside the bag. I gave it to George and George goes, you know what it is? And I go, I don't have a clue what it is. <laughs> All right. Now that's a dude response. Sure. So in this situation, Grace, you guys haven't been married very long and you're bringing in expectations Mm -hmm. to how things are supposed to be. So for instance, when Stacey and I got married, I kept expecting her to have dinner ready at six o'clock. It never happened. We're two months into marriage. And I would just be watching like the news or something. It'd be like 6.30, 6.45. And I didn't demand it. I would just go, hey, what do we have for dinner? And she'd be like, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. <laughs> what do we have again? <laughs> I share the story to say that when we get married, we bring in the culture and the expectations 100%. the way that our house ran. I would give him uh, some grace, Grace. Yeah. Because uh, you've got it. He's a good and dude. And I would say this too, Grace. I think it helps... Winston and I, uh, we have like one particular organization besides our church that we love and we both have been impacted by. So when we give that monthly, it's a part, it's a part of both of our stories. So find that commonality. Like what's the thing? What's the, um, genre of stuff that he would be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And plug into. So I would say that I would give him a little bit of grace, grace, just like Ken said. And I don't think he's a bad guy and it may never be the forefront thing. And that doesn't mean he's a selfish, evil person at all. It's just kind of how he's been and that's okay. So thanks for calling. You worked hard for your home. It should be a place where you can relax and refocus on your goals. And something as simple as window treatments can make the difference. If you're ready for an upgrade, we've recommended Blinds.com for years, and I've used them myself. That's because with Blinds.com, you don't have to sacrifice your budget, your style, or great service. From blinds, drapes, and shutters to motorized shades, they make it easy and affordable to upgrade your entire home. And their design experts are always ready to help even with measuring and installation plus there are never any misleading quotes or hidden fees everything is backed by their 100 satisfaction guarantee and shipping is always free see for yourself why blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings visit blinds.com now to learn more and get up to 45 percent off that's blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply So this uh, headline 
caught my attention, Ken. Yes. Says America has failed millennials so badly that they're turning to a thousand dollar per month side hustles to make ends meet. Please. So the side hustle has become a big part of people's lives. Two in five adults in the U.S. have a side hustle, according to a recent bank rate survey of 2,500 people. And 53% of them are Gen Zers and half are millennials. And then 40% are Gen Xers and 24% are baby boomers. So the argument here, which you can read some of these data points, is that millennials have been born into a time where it's just tough, right? So you, hard. As you leave college, it's the Great Recession and you're, the job market was all whacked out when we all entered the, the workforce and then we were the generation that that loaded that had student loans, you know, to uh, to the degrees that we know now. We were kind of the first big generation to take those on. Now the housing market, it's like it's it's impossible to buy a house now. So that's All what right. this article is 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 kind of. Uh, oh yeah, come it's, on, old Ken. Here we go. This old, is my old man friend. This Ken. is this is going to give his old man old take. cranky Ken take. Now the headline <laughs> that is true though. Everything I did say is true in defense of millennials. It is, but let me let me let me well, just wait a sec. I think you're going to agree with me on this one, even though you're not old and cranky. <laughs> the headline says America has failed millennials so badly that they're turning to a thousand dollar per month side hustles. The article goes on to say millennials in particular have been struggling to keep their heads above water for years after hopping around a rocky post-Great Recession job market, dealing with inordinate student debt, I agree with that, more on that in a moment, and shopping around a difficult housing market, all of which has made it harder for them to become financially independent. Now, let's dive into this. This sounds like a sob story, <laughs> but here's the reality. Okay, America has failed generations of students by pushing student loans we have an entire documentary on it and 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 borrowed future lays out the horror stories so i will say that the that the government the federal government along with the student loan programs and politicians who want to see a lot of universities popping up all over their state because that lends to more taxes bigger job bases which means they get reelected now that's all i'm going to say about that but that's what's going on and we have failed people because we've put them into this notion that getting a college degree is the best way to success and that narrative is changing so for that i agree but here's the problem millennials and gen z are struggling paycheck to paycheck because they think they're supposed to live the lifestyle that their parents live and they don't realize I got to build up to that. And credit cards are easier than ever to get. Credit card debt at an all-time high. We hear that headline every month. So you've got young people who are absolutely strapped with student loan debt and credit card debt. You take those two and only those two factors. Yeah. And here's where we go. They need an extra job. And we act like this is a crisis. It's not a crisis as it relates to them having to work a second job. It's a crisis of debt. And if you remove the student loan payment, you remove the credit card payment, then these kids aren't having to work an extra job. So this, this is what's, here's, here's what's concerning me. This headline and that excuse making by this writer is what creates the expectation problem 
that is driving all of this. I deserve this. I deserve that. I want this. I want that. Well, listen, number one, you don't deserve it. And I don't give a crap if you do want it. If you can't afford it, then don't do it. And yet we've created this soft expectation driven society. And then we go, we need to do something about it. What? There's no solution in this article at all. It just keeps talking about how many people have to work an extra job. Well, let me tell you something. On the Ramsey Show, we put people on that stage across there. That do that. That work extra jobs all the time, and they get debt-free, and none of them are griping about it. So there's the old cranky Ken. No, I appreciate the cranky Ken. Okay, well, and I don't have any data to back this up, so this is where you go into dangerous territory. Okay. But I, I, I am always fascinated by generationally what you experience, right? Yeah. So the boomers were raised by people that had seen the depression even, right? Or, right. or had World close, War II. close relatives yeah. from depression to war to the great, the great generation, right? So that's what the boomers saw. They take this whole idea of the 1950s, the man leaves and goes and works nine to five, wife stays home, this whole picture that's created, you know, and then they... They have kids that are now me, right? So I was raised by boomers. I just love that word. I just love it so much. The boomers. It's not said as a term of admiration. And I don't so, think. Okay, I'll boomer. It, That's what the kids it, like I know, to say. I know, I know, I yeah. know. You know, and so like, so what we saw was something, and then it was like, I think our generation was one of the first because the internet really started playing a part of your life, like, you know later in in college when when facebook came about like like all this stuff started happening this connectivity to the world unlike any other generation so we really became one of the most social conscious generations Mm -hmm. with giving uh the ability to go do things um that looked different than just the standard lifestyle that was that we all most of us saw in our parents and so it does create this new world. And then you lay on top of all of this, right? You graduate into the the housing bubble had busted. Pe- mm-hmm. Banks are closing. I mean, the crazy, right? The Great Recession was nuts. Sure, right. And you're entering that. And at the same time, it's like you you have, like you said, a level of expectation that, again, for the first time, social media, I think this level, it's not just billboards Great and point. magazines Great that point. you're seeing. You're seeing real life people living a certain way. So subconsciously i feel like there's some level of human mind that just says oh yeah if they're doing that or this or that yeah then i should be too i'm their age and you know what i mean like oh well you're absolutely right comparison starts yeah all that starts playing in uh and then you add on student loans you know and then you can go down the list but i think the hardest thing and what's so difficult on this show (laughs) that we try to communicate so often when people call in with money issues is that like math it doesn't have emotions. Mm. Your money doesn't have feelings. It is what it is. And so there's a level of reality that has to sink in to say, I just can't do that. And even though I'm frustrated about the housing market, I'm frustrated that if I had bought a home in 2018, it would be double the size than if I'm buying it now. Like all of those, all of that is so real. Like that, that is a very real um, emotion and feeling to have. But the problem is, is when that starts to drive your decisions. Yes. And there's a level that you have to be able to say, here's my, here's my situation. What, what now am I going to do about it? Yeah. Great segue. So of the respondents, so what we gave you were the data of, of how many in each generation are having a side hustle. Now here's why. 
33% of the respondents said they need the extra job, the side hustle, to afford regular living expenses. So these are people that are living above their means. 33%. 33% are going, I need it just to make ends meet or whatever. Just to pay the, my rent. Based yep. on what, or credit card, everything else. Like, oh, okay, I want this, I want this membership here and I got this car, right? So this car payment. I got to have a car. It's $800 a month, so I got to go work at Kroger and that's not fair. Sorry, that voice just comes out sometimes. 27% said it helps with discretionary spending. Now, this would be responsible. Okay. So now they're going, you know what? We'd like to send our kid to a summer camp, or I'm making this up. And they go, in order to do some of these extracurriculars, whether they be single or married or in a family situation, 27% are saying, I work so that we can have a vacation. Good for you. Yeah. So it's not all snowflakes here that don't know how to handle their money. Right. Then um, 12% are using it to repay debt. These would be Ramsey Show listeners and viewers. They're going, I'm getting after it. I'm going to pay off debt. So uh, I did want to at least share that. No, that's that, good. That it's not all people that are just going, I, I don't know how to handle my money. But a big part of it is yeah. uh, we as Americans, we don't have discipline with our money because we want it now. We've been told you get to have it now. You deserve to have it now. You should have a nice car, nice house, and all these things in your 20s. Yeah. Well, and it's hard to go backwards, Ken. And I think there's a reality too. Once everything's paid, like just your general stuff, there's not, a, I mean, there's not a ton left always. And so uh, just the price of life and and I think inflation kind of plays into, I think there's like levels of all this stuff yeah. that things just have cost more. And to go backwards and say, okay, we're actually gonna have to cut things to keep the same lifestyle that we had. Like that sucks. That's not fun. Yeah. But sometimes that's the decisions that have to be made. This is The Ramsey Show. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. Listen, if you are new to this show and you hear us talking about extra jobs and paying off debt and the baby steps and all this lingo, then make sure to go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button because we want you to figure out where you are in your financial journey, be able to name it and know what to do next to help you get financial peace, to have this level of control over your money to have this level of peace because that is what is so, so key. So go to RamseySolutions.com and click the Get Started button today. All right, going to the phones, we have Caden in Charleston, West Virginia. Hey, Caden, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you guys? We're doing great. How can we help? All right, so I am 15 years old and... um I my um, I'm a janitor at my church and I make thirteen dollars an hour. Nice. And I have about six thousand dollars saved up so far. Nice, Kate. So, um, thank you. Um, I have two questions. My first question is, um, at what age should I begin investing? That's a great question. Well, um, you know, one of the important things that we talk about, especially if we get a young caller like you, is that setting yourself up well for big life transitions is really important. So do you have any idea at 15 what you want to do when you graduate from high school? Do you know if you want to go into the trades? Do you know if you want to go to college? Do you have Do you have any thoughts? Um, college. College, awesome. Do you know how you'll pay for that? Uh, scholarships and working. Okay, good for you. So you'll be the one that's going to be paying your tuition. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. That's awesome. And let me point this out 
Ken, that I love, Caden, that you know that already at 15 mm-hmm. because, you know, some families, they don't talk about it until the junior is a junior in high school and starting to think about college and then they have this conversation. So the fact that you know ahead of time, Caden, uh, is really key. So what I would be doing is um, instead of investing that money, we always say to invest in you at this point in your life. And so that would be keeping that 6000 set aside and more as you start working in high school to be able to pay for college so that you don't take out student loans. And Caden, that's going to determine where you go to school is a big factor. School choice is really, really important here. So staying in state, even going to a community college for the first year or two, uh, but making that decision in a wise way uh, is going to help you not only save money, but be able to graduate and not have debt and be able to have a degree that hopefully you can use and that will advance you uh, in your career. So so I would not be investing right now, Caden, if I were you, I would keep that, that money in a high yield savings account or even a money market account. And right now you're getting a pretty great rate of return for just a good old savings account. Uh, and I would put that money in there and not touch it and let it grow and continue to fund that account uh, for college and for that to be your college tuition. Yes, ma'am. That's what I would do. Did you have a second question? I I do, yes, ma'am. So um, I've also been saving up for a car. So I figured that I would save up for my, uh, my car first and then whatever money I have left over, I'd begin saving for college. So um, should I... My parents had um, told me that they would match me up to $2,500 for a car. So um, that'll give me a little bit more money for a car. And then, um, yeah. And yeah. so that's that's pretty much it, yes, ma'am. That's great. I think that's awesome, Kaden. So then, yeah. yeah, if that's the case, I would take 2500 of what you saved, 2500 from them, and you get a $5,000 car that'll last you through high school and maybe even through college, Ken, yeah. Ken, would you go cheaper, Ken? No, I, I think I think minimum five. You know, I, mean, I think you can get something that's going to be uh, somewhat dependable at five. You're going to have to put some some repairs into that car to keep it going on a five thousand dollar car. That's just the nature of it. Just I'm looking at it all the time, and so mm-hmm. you're going to talk about a high miles car. Uh, but if you if you keep working this uh, this plan where I'm going to put emergency fund aside for my car, and then you're working for college tuition after that, if your parents can help some with the repairs, you and your mom and dad just need to be on the same page about what who's going to do what and all that jazz. Uh, you got gas money, and uh, I remember when my son got his car last year, and he started really paying attention to gas for the first time it was hilarious he's like i can't believe you know because i said expensive it is. yeah i'll help you with some of the gas like if you're going to and from school i'll help with some of that but you driving around with your buddies all over the place yeah right <laughs> he comes home one night rachel and i you know we track our kids as yeah. any paranoid parent does in this day and age <laughs> you know, back when you and i were teenagers our parents had no idea where no, we were we but lied today to them it's, all the time it's like where's it <laughs> what what is this address You've been at the gas station too long. Are you hanging out in the parking lot? Oh, I, uh, so, so he comes in, and I and I noticed that I checked in on him. I was like, "You're downtown Nashville. <gasps> what do you? 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 What do you, what do you think here?" I was like, "I'm What's not he paying." Doing? What for- was he doing? Oh, they were just checking it out. He'd never been down there. He's feeling <laughs> free. You know, they they weren't there long. I could see he was. He didn't like. They were essentially cruising. I'm guessing. I love it. But I said, "Uh, you pay for that. I'm not paying for you to drive." on a field trip to downtown Nashville. <laughs> That's your job. you know. So get an idea of what do these things cost. This is a young man who's really, really driven. He's on top of it. This is a great experience. I agree with Rachel's advice 100%, Caden. But again, be really clear on what you want for the car. 
uh, think about repairs. Think about all that kind of stuff that would go into it. It may yep. be worth getting a $7,500 car, you know, if you want it to last for a while. Does this car last you through college? It's possible. So mom and dad are giving you a $2,500 match. If that was me, I'd be going, all right, can I get $7,500? Yeah. I get the $2,500 from mom and dad. I get ten grand. I got a decent car that should last me through college. Yes. Well, I just did a whole segment on my show. We taped it, so it'll air later on 10 cars under $10,000. And there's great ones. That's what I'm it's saying. Honda Civics and Camrys and you got... I They'll mean, run forever. Now, yes. you're going to have to put some money in them. Yep. I would say rule of thumb, having bought a, a, an older Lexus for my son. You, you know, you get a car that's uh, in that under 10 range, you can look at probably putting in 1500 to $2,000 in the first year. I think yep. that's a fair estimate. It could be worse, yep. but it certainly could be that much. But again, if you fix these cars... Like when the alternator goes. We bought Ty's car two weeks later. He's at prom and his oh, alternator no. goes. Thank God it was after he dropped the girl off. Oh, God. That would have been devastating. That would have been the, the story he I had to put a new forever. alternator in it. You yeah. know, that's 600 bucks. Yeah. Uh, it was more than that, actually. Somewhere between six, 800 bucks. Right. But again, that car will run forever if you fix the parts. And so yep. you just got to plan for that. Totally. When you're going to pay for a car that, you know, for five grand, that means you're going to put maybe the same amount in it over the next year to two years. So. Yep, so good. All right, uh, let's go to the phones. James in Houston. Hey, James, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Dude, thanks for uh, calling in. We got about two minutes, James. So what's your question? I want to see what you do in my situation. I am looking at a job change soon. Offered a position here, local, southeast Houston, pays about half of what I make now, but also almost half the hours I'm working now. Um, so I'm trying to get out of the field I'm in into a new career. I also have the ability to make up that income with some side hustles, but with a growing family, two babies, third on the way, a um, little bit of debt still to pay off. Just a lot of things to balance on this decision-making. Wanted to see what y'all would do. How many hours are you working right now per week? Between 60 and 70. And uh, if you were to take this job, which pays you half, I'm guessing you're coming back down to a 40-hour week. Is that right? Yeah, eight All to right. four. So how many more hours would you have to work to be able to make the budget work and not take a real step backwards financially? How many more hours would you have to work if you take this job? Probably realistically 10 to 15 hours. Okay, so that's that's a lot better on your schedule. And does that make up the difference financially? It should. I have pretty good revenues for side income that I'm starting to build. Okay. Yeah, so great. the reason I'm walking you through those questions is that's, that's what I would do. I would go, okay, I don't want to have to work 60 to 80 hours a week. That can't, that's not sustainable. I do have to take care of the family. I need to be around. I got another one on the way. And so if I can make up the difference and I don't go backwards financially, I'd absolutely scale back because you're really not scaling back financially. You're just scaling back in that one hours, job. Yeah. But it opens up a new path for you. So in this case, I would do it. It's great. Awesome. Ken, thanks so much for a great hour. All the guys in the booth, Emily, Ibu, gotcha girl. Thanks for your help. And thank you, America, for listening. We'll be back.
Hey, it's Rachel Cruz. If you love the show and want a deeper dive on your money journey, we have a weekly newsletter that gives you trending and helpful articles and tips on following the Ramsey way. Just go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for our newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.